Welcome, bonjour et bienvenue, this is the Community Trail Running Podcast, I'm your host, Adam Lee, thank you for joining me once again, so many podcasts out there and I so appreciate you spending a little bit of your time with me. It's episode 70, we have Corey Woltering on the podcast today, he's won races, he's set FKTs, but mostly we chatted about his sobriety. It was a great conversation. I'm happy he shared so openly. And we'll get to that just after our little bit of housekeeping. That housekeeping is watch for more announcements in the coming weeks with the Trail Running Film Festival screenings that I'm organizing. Vancouver, your tickets are on sale already. And we'll be announcing fun details of the big night Thursday, April 4th as we march towards that date. And Alberta tickets will start going on sale soon for our shows June 4th, 5th, 6th in Edmonton, Calgary, and Canmore. We'll keep you updated when you can buy and what you can expect at those shows as well. And thank you all for sharing, subscribing, following, whatever you do, wherever you do it. I can't tell you how much it means to me. So excited to have passed that 1,000 subscriber mark and I'm just excited to keep growing it with all of you. And for those of you with your paid subscriptions, don't forget you get two free tickets to any of the screenings that I'm organizing of the Trail Film Festival. So just reach out to me and remind me about that. Next week, we will be profiling Alberta's Sinister Sports with Kirsty Dolson and Matt Shepard. Looking forward to sharing that with all of you. But today, we're chatting with Corey Woltering. Let's go. Today's guest is Corey Woltering. Corey's an accomplished trail runner who's won a bunch of races, and he also recently celebrated two years of sobriety. Great accomplishment, Corey. Congratulations, and thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is awesome. I'm excited to chat with you. If we could start before celebrating the anniversary and talking about that, maybe just give us a little bit of a backstory about who you are. You know, it's kind of wild, I guess. Uh, I like to run really far on trail, Um, but yeah. Just uh, originally from Illinois, currently living in Chattanooga, Tennessee, Um, played sports all my life, and now I happen to be a professional trail runner. Not a bad gig if you can get it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So let's talk about the anniversary a little bit then. I loved your post. It sounded like you've um, given up drinking in the past for periods of time, but this time it was for good. And it seemed like you were in a really good place with it. That's uh, You gave it up two years ago. Just maybe tell us about what made you decide to give it up permanently and how you kind of got to two years. Yeah, uh, I mean, two years seems pretty wild to me because uh, doing anything for two years just is a long time. And so basically uh, it was 2021 um you know kind of after covid and everything and just probably started drinking way more than i should have during covid and then um was getting back not getting back into running i was still running um still running a lot but just wasn't really racing that well and just was kind of off you know and at first it was like well maybe i'll give up drinking again for a little bit and then it was more just like you know drinking really doesn't do anything good for me. Um, And so I decided to kind of take a look at my life at that time and see, you know, what I was doing. And um, I decided that I wanted to just give it up for good. And so through that, like I, I had my last drink on Halloween of 2021 and then uh, basically 
decided I wanted to go to rehab. I'd already kind of decided that ahead of time, but um, I don't know. I'm someone that when it's like, when I decide something, I'm not going to do it like halfway. I'm going all in on it. So it's like, all right, I'm going to go to rehab. I'm going to figure out why I'm drinking. I'm going to deal with all of this. And so I did a three week inpatient program, then another seven weeks of outpatient down here in Tennessee, actually. And, um, and it was funny because I showed up to rehab four days sober and they made me do the breathalyzer a second time because they're like, Oh, like you, you're, you're sober. Like you blow 0.0. And I'm like, yeah, I blow 0.0. I mean, I drove myself down here from Illinois. Um, (laughs) and they're just like, Oh, okay. Like this will be a very interesting experience for you. (laughs) But, and it was, you know, cause I mean, most people don't show up to rehab sober, but I'm like, well, if I'm going to do this thing, then I'm going to get a jump start on it. And so I just had my last drink on Halloween and then I uh, haven't touched it since. And it's now it's over two years, you know, and um, but yeah, I mean, it hasn't always necessarily been easy. Um, you know, there's a lot that goes into sobriety and um, just because you maybe feel a little bit better physically or mentally, emotionally, whatever, at times, like there's just a lot of stuff that goes into sobriety and um, it's been a very rewarding journey, but it hasn't been the easiest. Would you mind maybe telling us sort of what that three weeks looks like when you check in like a little bit, give us a, a, an idea of what that sort of process is? Yeah. So when you check in, basically like one of the first things they do is like a breathalyzer just to see if you've been drinking or not that day. Cause I mean, they want to, they need to know. And um, for a lot of people, they end up starting some sort of detox program and you know, it's like, for me, I, I showed up four days sober, so I didn't have to do a medical detox. Didn't really have to detox much of anything to be completely honest. It was just like, all right, I'm here, let's do it. Um, but when you show up and no matter what time of day it is that you show up, they basically just throw you straight into the program of, um, you know, your normal daily schedule. And so your first couple days, they, they still wake you up in the middle of the night to check your vitals, which is absolutely annoying to me. Um, because it's like, oh, I'm not drinking. I'm already having a hard enough time sleeping. And now you're going to wake me up at 3 a.m. to check my vitals to make sure I'm still awake. It's like, if you see me breathing, I'm still, I'm, I'm still alive, you know, (laughs) but, um, so they check your vitals and then they establish a routine, like from day one, it's like 6 a.m. is the first, uh, wake up call. Like 6.30 a.m. is the second wake up call. You have, uh, your breakfast at seven or whatever. And then you have things that you're doing just throughout the day, whether it's different classes, different programming, um, or just like art therapy or yoga or something like that, that they have planned for you. So they have a full schedule for you every single day where you are just talking about things, doing things and, um, just basically learning how to build a routine that doesn't revolve around, you know, drinking or drugs or whatever it is that you're in there for. And so that was, that was very interesting because at that time, um, I was still running professionally, but I was not working outside of the house. So I could go out and run at any time of the day. And it's like, cool, I can run at any time of the day, but that also means that I could also grab a beer at any time of the day, or I could open a bottle of wine at any time of the day, because if I run at 8am and I'm done at nine, then what am I, what am I going to do with the rest of my day? 
and so so yeah like in rehab you you learn to make these routines and you learn to make these choices of um okay maybe i do need a little bit more structure very cool and then i imagine when you're doing the outpatient you're just kind of like checking in with them but in your own home or like sort of out taking the first steps to being out of the program yeah and so with that you still depending on what program you do um they have various forms of it but mine was more um at that time it was still on zoom and so it was still like a four-hour zoom class three days a week that i was going to um and so i mean that was just a basically a continuation of stuff that we were doing in rehab but now doing it just from your own home um which I I enjoyed that because I was just disciplined enough to actually do it and uh, follow through with it. And I mean, what like rehab, it's, it's funny I say this, but like rehab was actually a very good experience for me. Um, and so because of that, like going through rehab is like, okay, I'm going to do this outpatient program and I'm going to, you know, graduate from that. So then I can move on to more, life just in general, you know, which was, uh, it was good. It was, a, it was good. And I, I definitely appreciate you sharing your story. I think it's very noble what you're doing, being, um, like a beacon for others and doing this publicly. Is it something that you did consciously or are you, are you just like, a, I live this way and I live it out loud? Uh, oh man, that's a great question. You know, I, for the longest time, really wasn't sure what I was going to tell people or say or whatever, because I feel like there's a giant stigma around, you know, rehab or treatment or just like getting help for basically anything. Because, um, you know, back in the day, rehab was one of those things where it's like, oh, this person had to go to rehab, like, they must have really messed up their life. And, you know, it's like, just, it's terrible, like, oh, it's rehab. But, um, you know, like, that is not what rehab is. Like if you, if someone is struggling and they need help, then there are absolutely resources out there for them. There are options, there are different programs, there are all of these things that, you know, I feel like they should be talked about because I probably would have reached out or tried to find a way to like figure out why I was drinking so much or how to stop drinking so much earlier if I would have actually known that there were options out there. And then, um, you know, now that I'm two plus years sober at this point, uh, I have a ton of sober friends and it's just like normal. And we talk about everything, you know, and um, those are those are just things that I didn't know actually existed or I didn't know there'd be like the sober community. And um, and so, yeah, I think that's what stopped me from actually reaching out and getting help for the longest time. And so uh, I just I hope other people take something from that. Do you have any advice if someone was to come uh, and ask you if they were thinking about making changes themselves? Yeah, just uh, hit me up on Instagram. I mean, I'm decently easy to reach through that. I don't, I'm not always the fastest to respond to stuff, but I'm pretty easy to reach though. Um, but yeah, it's just, don't be scared of it. Um, you know, it's like change is scary. Sure. And I mean, it's definitely a big life decision or life changing thing. But, you know, don't be afraid of it. If it's something that you're, I mean, even if it's something that you're thinking about or wondering like, oh, do I maybe have a 
you know, troubled relationship with alcohol or something like that, then like, yes, just, you know, there, there are options out there for even that just to be like, Hey, like this might help you not drink as much. Um, you know, like not everybody needs to be sober and, you know, that's totally fine. Um, like, I don't, I don't care if people are sober or not to be completely honest, but you know, if you're someone that's struggling with it, then absolutely reach out. Don't be afraid to get help for it. It's great to take that first step, and sometimes you just need to hear that encouragement from someone else. And I also know on the post you'd mentioned putting pen to paper. Are you thinking about doing some writing about your experiences? Yeah, it's I, I, it's interesting because I haven't. I keep a lot of notes, and so one of these days, I feel like the notes are just going to become a book because I I feel that you know social media is a great thing but yes i do feel like putting something like pen to paper like an actual book or something would be a great thing and um even on social media it's like i don't share everything on social media i share a lot but there's still plenty more that i feel like a book would probably be the way to go well we can look forward to that uh in the future and and follow you along on your instagram as you mentioned uh but before we let you go, maybe back to the trails, do you have any fun runs or races coming up that you're looking forward to? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to Hong Kong in February, and I'm doing a race called the Nine Dragons over there. It's a 50-mile... Oh, yeah. It's a 50-mile race that starts uh, at like midnight on Friday night, Saturday morning, and then the 50K starts at 7 a.m. on Sunday um tons of elevation gain in both of the races just super fun it's super hard so i'm really excited for that and then we'll just kind of go from there well that sounds like a pretty awesome way to start the year off just let people know what your instagram handle is and how they can follow you along while you're racing in hong kong and if they want to reach out to you yeah so uh on instagram my handle is uh cory waltering and then i'm also on strava as well um, if you want to follow long runs and training and stuff, I'm same name on there. Um, I do actually have like an athlete page on Facebook as well. That's Corey Waltering. Um, so yeah, just some different ways to follow along. And uh, it's a mix of everything from sobriety to running to coffee and pastries. Well, you're speaking my language in all kinds of fronts there. A huge thank you. To Corey Waltering, a huge thank you to all of you listening. Shout out to race volunteers everywhere, and until next time, I'm Adam Lee, and this is Community Trail Running. Uh-huh.